All right, Paul, we're back again. We've got, a, I think, a pretty interesting show set up for us today, including a guest. Uh, we're going to have our, our friend Mike come on, and he's going to introduce himself in a sec. But um, uh, we want to talk about the use of names, people who insist on the use of their full name. An example like Michael versus Mike or Steve versus Steven, Dave versus David. Um, so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Number two, we're going to talk a little bit about the sanitization of history, things like removing statues and, you know, what do we feel about that? What's her opinion of of that? And you have a special announcement there, Clark, right? Do I? You mean Mike? Yes. (laughs) Oh. Sorry, you may want to edit that out. Sorry, I wasn't sure how you wanted to. That's all right. Well, no need to edit it out. Okay, Clark, um, let's, uh, yeah, introduce me. All right, Mike is here. He's a good friend of ours. I've known Mike since, boy, 1986 or 87. I mean, it's been we, 30 years. We've basically known each other from far enough back that we don't really remember when that was. <laughs> it's like yeah, a, yeah, a vague exactly. part of history. Yeah, so. Exactly. And you've been listening to the podcast, and uh, I have. I've been trying to. I've been trying to convince you to come on as a guest, and I was happy to hear you agree to to do it last week. You said you you were game, so uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Tell us as much as you're comfortable telling us. Sure. Well, I'm comfortable telling anything, but uh, to keep it brief, uh, my name is Mike um, Clark's friend, as he said, uh, as well when. Paul entered the scene. I pretty much met him right off the bat as well. When was that about, Paul? Like about? Well, I've known Clark for I'd say twenty-five years. It, like basically yeah. the beginning of high yeah. school, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, high school for me, and Clark's a little bit older, and obviously you as well. So I'd say yeah, twenty-five years we're going on. Okay. Yeah. You guys lived in Pickering. I was in Richmond Hill for a time, so uh, a lot of the. Uh, the interaction was, you know, whenever I might visit your area or something like that, but still uh, consistently enough to keep uh, sort of my pulse on what was happening. Uh, myself, uh, I uh, currently reside in um, Scarborough, uh, Canada. Well, Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. And uh, in a little area called Guildwood. It's pretty nice here. Lots of uh, nature and, um, you know, about 100 feet away from something called the Scarborough Bluffs, which is basically a 300-foot drop down from where I am to the edge of Lake Ontario, which is sort of a nice uh, lookout, a nice view. And uh, Clark, uh, when he is living in Canada, is a stone's throw away from me, so it's sort of a weird circular, like we lived near each other as kids, and then here it is, you know, 35 years later, and now we live practically the same distance from each other through happenstance now so i was going to put mike's gps coordinates into the show notes but now that he's mentioned that i live close to him i think i'll just keep it more uh, generic but yeah so mike what do you do what are you comfortable sharing with us around your your what you do i have a uh, enough interests to fill a thousand lifetimes um Sometimes I have uh, difficulty focusing on any given one for a long time because uh, another one steals my attention. But my uh, my my job day to day for the, the last maybe uh, 25 years has been as a special effects technician uh, doing practical effects, which means uh, in front of the camera, live action uh, in the film and television industry. And um, I've worked on... Uh, 
I don't know, well over a hundred projects to some degree. Some of the notable ones was that I was special effects on the shape of water, which won the Oscar for best picture. And I worked on the sequel, uh, for, uh, it, the Stephen King Pennywise clown movie. And, uh, uh, TV show wise suits was a very popular show that I worked on. So it, it you know, those are just th- three off the top of my head, but there's many, many more. And it's a, a pretty interesting job. Um, there's a range of things that I do all the time, but it's consistently interesting enough and different that um, uh, it it engages me and makes me look forward to going to work every day when I'm busy. So I think most listeners are are, are wondering if, uh, based on your experience working on the Suits cast, is Meghan Markle going to be a guest, make a guest appearance on this podcast anytime soon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll have to check that out with my uh, SAS uh, operative uh, mm-hmm. special contact, but um, yeah. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> you know, after she dissed me and didn't uh, give me the invite to the wedding, uh, I'm not yeah. so sure. I may, I'm I'm icing her out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll uh, she'll yeah, understand yeah. what she's. Uh, you know, when, when she gets the message, maybe. But right well, now, just you, you <laughs> had to send a message, but not given a Christmas card, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I started with that. I don't, yeah. but you know, there was no confirmation whether or not she uh, <laughs> she noticed or not. But anyway, so yeah, I actually Meghan Markle inevitably comes up as soon as I mention suits, and most right. people assume that I have some sort of intimate history or knowledge about her. Whereas, like on suits, I did very little as far as special effects, so I really didn't have much interaction with her. And she was always nice and very pleasant and polite to me. So. That is my experience with Megan. Now that I'm thinking about it, we could have uh, made one of uh, part of our our show a little bit about what you do, Mike, and because I think some listeners would probably have a lot of questions around that. Paul, you probably have some questions. Absolutely, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you, you have a far more interesting job than uh, myself and Clark, who are in the insurance industry. So, I, I think from a, a listening, every job has its place in this world, yeah. and uh, interest is relative. Uh, you know, to someone who is in the insurance industry and just wrote a book on, uh, you know, covering uh, hurricane losses or something to them. It's probably beyond fascinating and they have no effing interest in anything that goes on in suits. So like I said, (laughs) relative, um, I like my job, but like, like I said, I have hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of separate interests and film and TV is just one of them. So I'll grow and, you know, reveal more about myself as this podcast and others potentially in the future will allow me to do. But uh, so suffice to say, that's my um, that's my career. Just sitting at home and twiddling my thumbs and getting a million little projects that have been loose ends for up to 25 years, chopping them down one at a time and just making a lot of progress on all those little projects that I never thought I'd get to. But with COVID and sitting around, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to get some stuff done. So anyway, there's mm. the overview of mm. me. And like I said, more details to come as, as they're uh, appropriate. Let's move into our first topic, which is sometimes you run into people who insist on having their name set out in full. Like Michael is the way they, they run. They don't want to hear Mike and they may even go so far as, correcting you if if you use mike instead of michael and we happen to have a michael being mike on our on our session today or on our on our episode today 
And so Mike can maybe give a little bit of color around this, but I, w- I guess I'll start out by asking a question. Does it cross your mind when you type an email to somebody named Steve that you consciously think about calling the person Steve or whether maybe you should call them Steven? Do you guys ever think about that when you're talking to people? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm conscious of that when I send an email, you know, a Mike versus Michael. And coming from a, and do you, Mike, or well, you're a Michael. I generally look at, uh, I mean, even though it's derivative of, they're different words for a reason. And so some people just are like, yes, my birth name on my birth certificate is Michael. I go by Mike because I personally don't care. So when people ask me if they're, uh, if they're, I don't see it as inconsiderate if they do not, but if they are considerate enough in their own behavior to ask, I, I usually say it, it's whatever you prefer. It doesn't matter to me. You know, Mikey never really stuck with me from anybody. A couple of people have called me that, but you know, whatever. I really, as long as I can respond and I recognize that you're talking to me, I'll turn my head and, and reply. But yes, yeah, some people are very specific and will correct, and uh, I respect it too. If if I usually was, whatever I'm introduced either verbally or on paper as that person's name, if I get a Stephen, which is a S-T-E-P-H, they're Stephen for me. I, I do not, I don't shorten it and call them Steve. So, um, Yeah, it is interesting to, to what, get... I was going to say it is interesting to get your take on that, Mike, because, you know, what you said about how you don't care, yeah, there is probably a lot of people that do. For myself and Clark, with names that can't be shortened, I've never really had to sort of experience that whole debate as to do you go by your shortened name or your full name or whatever. So, yeah, what, it is. Paul is not a short form? <laughs> Paul. It, it's not short for Palendifer? Come How did on. you know? How did I, you know? I, I, I know you didn't want us to reveal that name it is. Hey, I, I kept that a secret for 43 years, and now it's out. In- it's ancient Gaelic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I can assure you that it is not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, especially with different cultures and names that can be very uh, difficult to try and pronounce the first time you, you're reading, uh, it's, it's very tempting to go with short forms. And I usually find especially uh, people from a country coming here will often offer you that name that's shortened, you know, like they'll just say, oh, just call me Chris or whatever. It's They've already figured out a way to make it easier yes. for other people. Yeah, or you get languages, so ch- certain Chinese names. Um, many Chinese people give themselves an English name. Yeah. And having spent time in China a few years ago, I was actually given a Chinese name, hmm. which was interesting. That, um, but many many people will go with uh, like I think we had three Eric's in our office in Shanghai, but they were that wasn't their real name. But they would use an English name right. just for ease of, especially Westerners or non Chinese people to be able to uh, to use it. And I think it was just a way to make it a little bit less formal, perhaps as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in your general surroundings, both Paul and Clark, when you're at work, in earshot, how many people would be around you so that if someone says a name out loud, people could conceivably turn their head and respond? Would you say there's like 10 people within, I mean, casual speaking distance that would hear you? 10, 15, 20? Mm, in my office, 
And the reason I ask is, if, if, if someone says the name, hey, Clark, and there is six other Clarks in the company, how likely is it that you will be in the situation where all six of you are within earshot and you get different people going, yes, at the same time? Because for me, that's um, that a real wouldn't... problem on film sets where they say, hey, Mike, and 14 mics go, yes. And then they're like, no, 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 camera mic or or makeup mic or right. whatever. So, Well, and, and with your point there is that because Mike is such a common name, I'm assuming if your name was John or Jason or something like that. For me, it's not a lot of Pauls. It's a little confusing at work because my boss's name is actually Paul. Uh, so, yeah, or so, at, at mafioso weddings too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that would be Paulie. This is my friend Paulie, and there's Petey, and this is Paul, and yeah. Paul, and this is. Uh, You've been watching Goodfellas too many times. It's uh, Paulie and Petey and watch, Marie. You can't watch. You can't watch Goodfellas too many times, Paul. Yeah. Just so you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that makes you may raise a good point, Paul. That Mike is a very common name. So yelling out Clark in the middle of an office, there's. I've never been in an office with more than one Clark. I've been in very few circumstances where I've had someone with the same name as me. But to answer your question, if it was a common name, it isn't really how we talk to each other in offices as well. Right. Like you generally don't say, "Hey, Clark." It's not something that's done, said right. in a, in that. It it might be a name if you say, "Hey, yesterday I was talking to Clark and he told me." Yeah. That might be the way names kind of come up. They're not. You don't really call people that right. way. You just walk up to their desk and you say, "Hey, you got a second? Or because um, we're open concept in our office as well. So it's um, yeah. Uh, so it's not really like a stock market boiler room floor where you're like, "Yo, pinhead, get over here!" Like yelling across at <laughs> people, right? So you'd right, say exactly. name a little bit loud, and you'd have these people twist their head around and look at you like, "What are you doing? Be quiet. Use your in your use your chat." program probably i don't know i'm just imagining it what do you think of people when they if they if you call them mike and they not let's take mike out of it because not about you here i'm saying i'm going to take david so if you're talking to a dave david and you you call them dave and they say actually it's david what's your reaction when they say that I personally don't read too much into it because i'm assuming everybody's got a reason or a personal preference for a particular name that they use. I think if you're meeting someone for the first time, that's a tough one because perhaps you want to, I guess, convey your name right off the bat to sort of, you know, make sure that if you're going by the name of David, then going forward, people will always refer to you as David because it's very easy to say, hey, Dave or Davey or something like that. So I don't judge people too much in terms of which name that they prefer to to go with um but i guess when we're on the topic of names you know we should sort of point out that there is other variations of that such as people that use their middle initial in names and how so in writing or in in when they actually introduce hi i'm john p williams elmer j fudd yeah i own a mansion and a yacht you know, Millionaire. It, it typically, I guess it's, for, well, Mikey probably agree with this. A lot of people in the entertainment industry obviously use middle initials, and that can be for varying reasons. But yep. it's, it's unusual that you would have. A lot of the time they're for, they're forced to, Paul, actually. They have to. Because it when they get a screen credit with Actor or one of the unions, they cannot usually take the same name as someone else who already has that name. Mm-hmm. So they need to mm-hmm. introduce us as something to separate them 
oh, it's Michael J. Fox, not Michael Fox. Like yeah. that kind of thing. And so you, you understand that it's a different person. But what, I'm, what I mean is that people just in everyday life um, with, with no association to a particular industry, it, it's pretty rare that you find someone that you get introduced to with a, with a middle initial. I would assume that a lot of people use it for business purposes. And I was actually yeah. reading an article that said that a lot of people like to use the middle initial because it actually increases people's perception of their intellectual capacity. And performance uh-huh. and status. And this is noted from the European Journal of Social Psychology. So this is actually a real thing that people, I guess, deliberately put in middle initials to make themselves sound a little bit more credible or a little bit more important. Um, or even using um, titles such as if you're a doctor or degrees such as if you're a PhD. Yeah. So... I know it's not unusual, let's say, for a doctor that they will always refer to themselves as Dr. So-and-so. Oh, that's, that's a whole other topic, too. Oh, like God. Pe- what, what do you say? That's like an iceberg topic. You just, there's, a little, there's this little thing poking above the surface and this monster iceberg below the surface. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd like to say, because I, I think I want to actually address it, is on the doctor thing, if somebody is a doctor and you call them by their first name, and the person says, "Actually, no, it's doctor." Yeah. What What do you think of that? Is that pretentious sounding? Someone does that? No, I don't know. It, you know, it, it, there's so many ways to answer that. Paul, go ahead. You'll we'll start uh, with you. I was going to say, really, it kind of depends on the const on the context. If it's a business meeting, then perhaps it's a little bit more acceptable. I think if you're meeting someone at a Acceptable to what? Say the doctor or not say doctor? Well, or be if, corrected? if someone says, my name is Dr. Smith or whatever, if it's in a business context, then I can understand that to a certain degree. But I think if you were meeting someone perhaps at a barbecue, a very informal setting, and you're just being introduced to you know neighbors around the area, you know, my name is Bob, my name is Mike, my name is Rob. Yeah, you can t- call me Dr. Smith. I think that would be a a bit unusual. To me, it's one of those things that I think it's like an acknowledgement of uh, uh, something they've either earned, right? Because, I mean, think of this. We actually still bestow honorisms to people who are either in royalty or have achieved things like... uh, And you're you're right, Paul. It's usually in, in, in with a lot of things like judges or mayors your worship your honor that kind of thing is typically in a professional setting it is yeah where they're actually performing the duties of their job whereas royalty it's like if you meet them in any situation if you're not a close friend in an informal situation you're supposed to address them you know your 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 majesty or dowager princess or whatever i have no idea of the intricacies of that hierarchy but right so I don't know. I, I I figure if someone did it and they're like, yes, I want to be acknowledged for this accomplishment because I am legally allowed to be called this, then uh, once again, it's their option. Uh, but if they get super offended that I choose not to follow with their option, then it's just like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we have an impasse. I think a lot of the answer to this is it it depends. It depends because it it's all about the setting in which you're meeting the person Right. The, the reason why you're meeting the person, if it's social versus more of a professional. Right. It, 
But once if you were introducing right. them in, say, a podcast, Paul, how would you introduce them? With I'm no, pretty you know sure that, you would use that doctor, right? That's a good point, especially if that doctor was here to introduce a, a topic or to provide evidence about like something. Like barbecue sauces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doctor <laughs> on barbecue sauces. But you know what I mean? Like, he may not be talking about, or she may not be talking about anything related to being a doctor, but, but I, if, once again, it's like you said, contextual. You would ask them beforehand, how do you want to be introduced? Yeah. I'm yeah. in I'm in a group, a Toastmasters group that has two doctors in it, and I can tell you I've never once called them doctor, right? You know, their name it's always been by their first name, and they've never made any mention of it. A couple times they've been introduced that way, but I think I think it's based on personal preference. I want to before we finish this topic, I want to ask one more question now that we're on the doctor topic, and that is, what about people who aren't medical doctors? Do you? If they insist that doctor be used, do you have a? Do you, I, I personally, I have, I, I feel that's strange. Like I a do, professor, yeah. I don't that whole doctor thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have two doctors in our office, in our office at work, who are doctors of um, specific degrees. Like one is a doctor of seismology or something right. like that, and never has he ever insisted that he should be called doc he's a phd in this area we have lots of phds in our company but occasionally they'll get referred to as doctor like if they're being put on a like if they're doing a speaking engagement they will we usually will put doctor in there right i i have a problem with if someone corrects me and says actually it's dr smith there's so many humorous potential situations from that do we have a doctor here you know yes i do and then they run up and it's like um, no, I'm a yeah. doctor of economics. Uh, how can I help? Right. You? Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, uh, is he dying because his mutual fund is uh, in the wrong uh, yeah. category? The, there's no. there's two things. I I know we're we're running low on time on this particular topic here, but there's two things I just want to throw out there. Two, maybe I wouldn't say pet peeves, but things that I, I find a little pretentious. First one being people who refer to themselves as captain who have no military experience. It's just because they okay. own a boat and they call themselves captain. All right. On the, they do that on the boat or in walking everywhere. around in real life, like at, at the supermarket? No, my, my dad would tell me about people that would insist on themselves being called captain. You know, Have you ever it, met pe- these people yourself, Paul? Not, not personally, but <laughs> my dad, who is in the marine industry and would obviously be in, in marinas meeting various people when he would uh, you know, do boat surveys. Right. You know, he, he he met many people that would refer to themselves as captain, but they had no mm-hmm. military experiences because they were captain of their own boat, and they just loved the name being right. being referred to as captain, which uh, I find is very... Or they drank a lot of rum. That too. And the other thing the I captain. wanted to, to throw out is, is people that use their surnames as their first names. And I, I experienced that a couple of years ago when I was membership director for one of the associations. I was talking to someone and let's say his name was, was John Smith, just to keep it for simplistic reasons. And he's, no, 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 my, mm-hmm. you can address me as Smith. So dear, dear right. Smith. Like, and he was adamant. Mm-hmm. He, he was very adamant that his surname was how he was to be addressed. And I just found that That's from unusual. a first impression standpoint, I think that came across as being pretentious to me. Weird. And he may have had it, a reason. It came across as being homeschooled? Uh, who knows? But the, the, Sorry, no offense. No offense to the homeschooled. Yeah, no, the first impressions is that it came across as being pretentious. 
regardless of if you have. But what do you think it was? Let's think for a second on this. Was was it him being pretentious, or he just likes the name Smith to be his name? Well, maybe he did. And but first impressions. That's what he conveyed to me was was an aura of pretentiousness. And maybe Mm, if I got if I asked him, perhaps, oh, why do you go by Smith? Who knows? He may have had a good reason. But I think if you're well, being introduced to someone saying, yeah, call me Luby or my name is Morosky, that, like, that might be a little you have a You have a direct example of that. You have a friend, both of you, who you call often by his last name. And it happens to be that name. But that's a nickname, though. But and, and, you would, and he, yes, and but you has, would not he, send him an email or a direct exactly. thing saying, yeah. Smith. He, like, he, all of a sudden, it would be weird. He, yeah. would, he has never asked to be addressed by the name of smith it's no it's one thing casual that, it's like the yeah. sandlot kind exactly. of thing exactly yeah it's Biggs, a you're killing me or whatever that character's exactly, name exactly yeah but to to go out to your friends and say call me by my surname just a bit unusual for me okay we're moving into the topic now around sanitization of history and paul this is an idea you came up with and am i even am i even introducing the topic correctly is that how you're looking at this topic sanitization of history or is it more specific to just removing statues or things that represent history what i'll let you introduce this sure i think it encompasses everything that you've talked about clark uh the reason why i wanted to introduce it is because this topic has been in discussion for for several years now and it was the reason which prompted me to, to want to talk about it was a, a National Post article that I had seen that was archived. It was actually from 2017, so as mentioned, this has been going on for a couple of years now. But the article talks about, in dispute over statues, where do you draw the line? And this has been in the news quite a bit over the last couple of years. If you recall, about two to three years ago, there was a... I guess a racially charged riot in Charlottesville, Virginia, which uh, which oh, caught yeah. the headlines, yep. and I believe a person was was killed. And one of the reasons why that demonstration or or that that riot uh, ensued was because there was protests, um, both pro and against the removal of a statue of the Confederate general Robert E. Lee. And certainly in the U.S., there is very strong opinions about the about that particular topic, especially when it comes to the the Confederates. But it's not; it runs even deeper than that. In that, there is a lot of debates over, for example, Christopher Columbus, um, his treatment towards Native Americans, or as per the the allegations towards that. Um, and even here in Canada, we've experienced that by the removal of some statues of Sir John A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada. Really? Absolutely, yeah, because there's been, I guess, allegations or, or, or accusations about John A. Macdonald and, and his some of the policies within his time that were not favorable to to the native population. And tell tell us who tell the listeners who Sir Johnny McDonald is. Not everyone's going to know. It's a worldwide audience. Yeah, so Sir, Sir Johnny McDonald is first Prime Minister of Canada, and he is honored within Canada as per what George Washington would be. In that, there's many schools, public parks, statues of him, pretty much all over the country, and a lot of the controversy within Canada started back in 2018 when the city of Victoria, B.C. 
removed the statue of Sir John A. MacDonald from the grounds of their city hall. And this really does beg a question in that how far do we go in the sense that if if people don't like history or, or, or what a particular statue stands for, does that mean that we have the right to, to sanitize it or, or, or to take down that statue? And a lot of historians have obviously weighed in on this because obviously this is a, a very controversial and, and thought-provoking topic. And I can relate to this because I majored in history in, in university, so I consider myself a student of history and, and a lover and, and uh, appreciative of historical facts and, and, and events and where it stands within nations' histories. And some of the arguments in that, you know, there's the history behind the actual statue itself, such as why was the monument built? You know, there's various contributions to society and it has to be weighed against the alleged wrongdoing. So, for example, John A. Macdonald being first Prime Minister of Canada, he's a nation builder. He Canada wouldn't be here without someone such as John A. Macdonald. But for this alleged wrongdoing, suddenly he's to be erased from history and conveniently passed over to state that the first Prime Minister of Canada is no longer worthy or deserving of any kind of monuments which would signify his importance to our country. So I wanted to throw it out there as, as a as a very interesting topic and, and wanted to get you guys' take on this because, um, you know, I, I have some pretty strong feelings about this. And before I go further, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. No, it's interesting. I thought about this topic for a while now because you did want to, you mentioned you wanted to talk about it on the show. And I, I have a few viewpoints on this. And I guess the the one thing I can say is that History is history. And to me, when a when a monument goes up, it's based on what is generally known at the time that the monument goes up. And we all know there are monuments in the world that have been just put up yesterday, and there are going to be ones that have been up for a couple hundred years or more. And so when they erect the monument, it's usually based on the facts at the time. My approach to this is you you don't remove the monument you include whatever this new revelation is as part of it so you would say here's let's just use sir johnny mcdonald as an example and i this is the first time i'm hearing about this by the way with sir johnny mcdonald first time i'm hearing about it but if you take someone like a robert e lee who is seen as this significant iconic figure of the south the united states and when it went up, that was put up because he's this iconic figure based on facts at the time, or at least what was being revealed at the time. And then many years later, a lot of stuff has come out that suggests maybe he was anything but someone that should be held up in high esteem. However, that to me is history in itself. You have a person, here's why the statue was put up, but then I think you have like some sort of a an addendum to it or a caveat that says in recent years this has come to light or something that teaches what what's the reason but i think to go and just start ripping statues down i have a problem with that for the most part as a general statement mike what what do you and no, go ahead you were going to say something paul 
No, I was just going to say you have arguments that, that, yeah, I agree 100% in the sense that, you know, I unequivocally oppose any tearing down of statues. I realize that to some people they could find that offensive. I, I understand that. However, I think the one thing that needs to be recognized here is a value in, quote unquote, owning our history. Viewing it as a sense to educate the people as to exactly what this political figure, whoever it might be, what this individual stood for, whether it's good or bad. And if they have flaws within their legacy, then sure, point that out. But to, to just tear down a statue, I think you're, you're essentially erasing history. You're erasing it to make it fit within what you want it to be. What about it's, Saddam Hussein? His statue was torn down when the regime fell. Should that statue be re-erected? That's a good argument you say there. Uh, Hitler. You know what? what, what? <laughs> yeah, well, Adolf Hitler was the other one that came up for me. There you go. I mean, Hitler is the all... You can always pull that out as like the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Is there any well, statues of Hitler? Let's, let's start off. Well, with I'm that. sure there were when when he was sort of the Grand Imperial Poobah there in Germany. So, you know, especially there if there extremes. happens to be like 200 of them because he just happens to like the look the look of himself. Like, do you just say, well, the, they stay because that's yeah. part of the way it you got was? Len, you got Stalin. Stalin's I, I grant another you that, character. That there is extremes. There is extremes. Obviously, if if you have a statue of Hitler within your city, Rocky hall, got moved for Christ's sake. Rocky Balboa. Yeah, they took exactly. him away. Holy Jesus! <laughs> and then they put I, him on. I, the, but, my, but what about Sam my, the Record Man spinning record? That's a that's a <laughs> iconic. Practically, uh, you know, it's Sam the Record Man in Toronto had these two uh, neon mm -hmm. lit signs that would give the impression of a spinning record and it became known as like practically a statue of the iconic uh, established record store in toronto at a very popular intersection and so but what was when, the revelation well, about sam the record man was he found to be a neo-nazi or no 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 when the business disappeared the city of toronto said that's an iconic piece of our history we're keeping it but then they took ryerson took over the building and they took the signs down and said, don't worry, we're going to put them back. But then they put them back in, like, facing some garbage dumpsters in an alley or something. So you can't even see them anymore. So, in a way, this is like, yes, you can keep them and repurpose them and put them somewhere. So but That's different. That's like, different exactly. And like our previous topic, I think this is very contextual. There are some cases where it's like, yep, leave it there and then add the information of, you know, All why right. this is different. But, Paul, I, I got to... I got to ask you, Paul, the, what's the difference between Robert E. Lee and, and I'm not saying what they did, and maybe it is part of that, but Robert E. Lee versus Adolf Hitler? It depends on your perception, but one could argue that there may not be a huge difference. What? But you have a statue that I don't mean what they did. I mean, we all know Hitler was a horrible man, and we know yeah. that there's some revelations around Robert E. Lee and how he treated people and things. I don't know all the specifics, but... What I'm wondering, what I'm getting at here is, do we look at something that's a little more contemporary, like yeah. Adolf Hitler, and view it differently than we do a, a figure from 400 years ago, or 300 years ago, or 100 years ago? Do we look okay, at it differently, so, and does that affect your opinion around this topic? Okay, so when, when you mention someone like Robert E. Lee, his statues have probably been up for, what, 130 years or so? Mm -hmm. 150, perhaps? Why is it suddenly convenient to now take them down? 
why after 150 years have people said, yeah, you know what? No, let's take it down. Like, why Why is that now becoming an issue? And I, I don't know. Why is it? I don't know. Like, it, it's... You honestly don't... Why, you, why, you honestly not know? No, it, it's obviously some people... Well, some social change does not happen overnight. And eventually you get to a point where, hey, you know what? It's not like they went to the indigenous communities and said... Do you guys mind if we put up this statue of this person who tried to help wipe out your communities? And I understand from the point of view of people living at that time, it may not have been seen that way. And it may if not it, be that statue, way if you understand the details of it. But some yeah. people have interpreted but that it, now. And now they're if, coming up and say, hey, I have a voice. And you know what? That person is a traumatic insult to our entire community. And yet he's honored here. And we're part of this community, mm-hmm. aren't we? We just want a voice, and but it, every time we see that, we see someone who tried to wipe us out. You have a statue that's been there for 150 years. Why in 2020 is this now the year that we have to sanitize history? Though? Well, it, it's sort and, of like the Me that. Too movement. It took the it took the you know couple instances where it finally, it's like anything, I guess. There there becomes a tipping point. It's not like any one of those things was the thing that. Harvey Weinstein's one affair that the person came and blew the whistle on was not the thing that started making it a problem. It was the final thing that set light to the growing Tinder, you know, the powder keg or the all the everything that was there already. And sometimes it takes a long time to get enough momentum to make those decisions or changes. So... I understand that views change. I get that. My problem is it's the slippery slope. Where do we draw the line? Well, here's a good and question, Paul. The, the, Where did it come from in the first place? Like, and I, I you had a great example with John A. McDonald. That's mm-hmm. a very definitely understandable, not even really debatable. He was the first prime minister. Good or bad, he was. So that's acknowledgeable in a, hey, historically, very important person for mm-hmm. our country. But when you get right. into and, generals and, or other places, who put that statue up in the first place? Was it the yeah. entire city of you know that he came from? Was it the Kingston state, or, or was it a group of specific people that got together, raised money, and said, "We, as someone who believe like Robert E. Lee, because of our beliefs, think he should be honored." You know, went ahead and did this because that happens too. You get very small groups with money and influence pushing what they believe is important mm-hmm. to other people. But most of these statues do have a historical significance. And in our case within Canada, no one can dispute the fact that Sir John A. Macdonald has an incredible significance on the history of Canada. And just because there's one aspect of his legacy that people don't agree with, suddenly we have to pretend that he doesn't exist. You know, my, my well, whole opposition to this is... That, is, is, that what, is that what we're doing? Are yes, we actually we are. now? Are we are, are we pretending he actually doesn't exist? Some people, yes, and uh, and the reason why I feel so heated about this is because you know there. Where does it stop? So, for example, someone like a George Washington, who was sure. a slave owner, Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner. Should yes. we pretend that they never existed? Should well, we okay. wipe them off currency? Pretend that, pretend they never existed? I was going to bring this up at the beginning. Is that? This particular topic has a way of branching almost invisibly into subtopics, which is that, mm-hmm. first of all, anything in the past, we have to define terms. History is history mm-hmm. just by virtue of it being in the past. 
what is the value of history? Do we learn everything? Do we just document everything? As far as being a document of something that existed or happened is one thing, but we're com- we're I think we're coming forward. Correct me if I'm in if I'm assuming something wrong, but a statue is an honor. It's pointing out not just that this person existed. Otherwise, there would be statues of infamous serial killers. Like the day that this person terrorized Toronto when he was found out. And, you know, then this is a moment in history. It is. But a statue is here's someone that we respect and we think had a a very positive influence. And there's a case to be made that, yes, while this person has things that in modern sensibilities or modern uh social mores would not be acceptable back then it was fairly common and if looked at in the uh, spectrum of what they did he this person he she or a group of people had a tremendous impact on what we are today and i agree that that should not just be erased Paul, Paul, what do you have to say there? I I hear what you're saying, and and yes, I agree completely that there is extreme circumstances where, you know, if, let's say, you had a a statue of a Harvey Weinstein, yes, it should be taken down based on what you know now. However, overall, you have to to accept the fact that, you know, when these statues or these individuals were honored, it was because of their context within history. And I just think it's it's Maybe. unfair for for us to to I guess portray our our morals from 2020 and try to work that into a historical statue that may have been perfectly acceptable 150 years ago. Right. You know, I think if w- the 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 slippery slope is is that if you were to scrutinize every single historical figure you may find that you have very few monuments and statues oh, around. But that's why I'm yeah, saying Yeah, but are you worried about that? <laughs> that the statues, that that's a problem? Like, is that, every, that a Every historical what? figure is flawed. You know, you're reading a book about Teddy Roosevelt there, Clark. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a, some arguments that Teddy Roosevelt, that there is something within his there legacy is, yeah. that that would... Uh, that would that would offend so, people. But this is what I mean about it. It, it branches into other topics almost invisibly. Uh, for example, uh, as a it's total colorary, but Netflix, right? Everyone's going digital, right? You've got Disney Channel. You've got so people are no longer buying physical media. Disney all of a sudden can take a movie and alter it and take out a scene that was offensive. For example, you will mm-hmm. never see, and I'm telling you this now, viewers, listeners, you will never see The Song of the South, which was a Disney film, ever, ever, ever on Disney+. Plus. It will never be released. And when they do release something that has questionable, they're putting, you know, like Clark said, a disclaimer in the front, has references and scenes that were uh, common, but are are may be challenging for today's viewers and understand that they come at it from a different perspective and are not necessarily our corporation's current view. Um, So that can generate discussion, but those things, my point here being the alteration of history is happening constantly. And in every form, statues are just one example. Mm -hmm. Films are being edited, scenes being removed. And when they're in digital format, Sometimes people don't even really realize it happened. So in some ways, well, it's like, that's your job, Paul, as a historian, mm-hmm. to document and educate people. 
Yeah. Most people are not going to be educated by a statue anyway. It's just something that eventually goes green with the passing of time and oxidation and is a resting place for pigeons. Then, then exactly. Then why are people so offended by it then? Because, well, that, that you know, but that's I, the thing. That's why it actually yeah. makes sense to me. Because if someone's offended to the point where it triggers them, then I think you should at least respect listening to their opinion. If they come to City well, Hall sure. to do business and there's a statue of a man that literally made it his or her a special project in life to destroy their culture, you know, it might be a little offend. like, hey, you know what? Since this is the foundation of where I'm going, are they even going to respect my views or give me any priority or uh, equal footing respect just in terms of me being a citizen? Show me that that is a past thing by not making it a monument that is right here for all of us to respect. Just Then it's... Then it's, so, it's an amazing opportunity to to educate people on that person's legacy. If if they are that interested in, in, or if they become that offended by that person's legacy, then yes, it stimulates some great conversation. Right, and so, unfortunately, yes, yeah, then, then you educate that, people on that. Yeah, they yeah. do, and sometimes the hijacking and the the discussion is not allowed to happen. You know, in in. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just arbitrarily take the statues. Yeah. I believe we're missing out on the lesson that can be taught by some of the history. So if if you take out I, I, when you mentioned film, uh, when you mentioned film, Mike, yeah. see, one thing that came to mind for me is there's been discussion around the removal of the Andy Rooney scene right. in Breakfast at Tiffany's, right. where he portrays a Japanese man. And that he's 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 got buck teeth and he's using a fake Japanese accent. It's a total make fun of the Japanese culture type of type of scenario. He's pers- just totally doing oh, uh, over exaggerating it, and it definitely comes across as offensive. But what I think is, what's the teachable moment here? Uh, that's and that's where I'm not sure people are capable of always addressing that. So, as example, I have kids. And if we decide to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's, I believe that if you just throw that on and you don't say anything to your kids about the character, that you are potentially taking things, you're allowing that to, you're missing that as a teachable right. moment. And I think if, I would rather have the opportunity to talk to my kids and say, okay, guys, let's pause it for a sec. This guy, this scene is about this. Did you know that there's, been a lot of controversy around this scene and, and use it as an opportunity to ask them questions do you and, and maybe they don't know it maybe they don't see what the issue is and then you start explaining it but if you remove it it it's i think you're missing a teachable moment but right but that's a that's a good word moment because in this world of information overwhelm we'll call it uh history can be an intimidating subject. There may be angles, Paul, that you can very uh, cleverly and with absolute... uh, uh, I'm losing the word I should use here. But basically, you can back up a, a defense of Robert E. Lee and present your case and, it, and and when you understand the complexity and the nuances that yep you're right that should statue should stay mm-hmm. but we're yeah, talking I, about I we... sometimes especially given time and distance that c- 
complexity that those details get lost and what is left is what is the impact something just has on the surface? What are the quick moments that you can take from this? Uh, well, I think and- we're, 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 we're living in a society where we're too easily offended. So what if we're offended? This is an opportunity to talk about But Paul, if you were and- the marginalized person in this scenario, you know, yeah. imagine that you are a black person or a gay person, depending on what the situation is. Some of the, let's say a historical figure that was known for killing gay people or having a mm-hmm. huge issue with gay people or black people. Yeah. What if you are the marginalized party? How do you feel about it? Then I would... Try to really as, think about that. Yeah. No, I, and, and that's a good point because I'm, I have the, the luxury of looking at this from, you know, a Caucasian white male. And I, yes, I, I understand that there is going to be some groups that, that do find certain historical figures offensive. But if I was from a marginalized group, I would view this as an opportunity to educate. <laughs> so, for example, if you have a statue of John A. MacDonald... then this is an opportunity where you have a plaque and it details his entire legacy, including, you know, the allegations against the, his policies against native Canadians. Is that what the issue is? I don't think we mentioned that, what the the specifics were. We don't need to get into a lot of detail, but that's the crux of it was the Native Americans. Yeah, it was the the residential schools policy that was initiated Mm. back, I believe it was in the 1870s. And it, it, Yes, it was. It marginalized the Native Canadian population. As a, as a Native Canadian, I would view this as an opportunity where you can educate people on that aspect of his legacy, and that in itself will stimulate that conversation and will create awareness as to is that particular situation. So that if there is an injustice in history, then it is discussed and people are aware of that, so that that mistake doesn't get get made again. But to just erase someone completely just because there's one aspect of their legacy that you do not agree with or that may be offensive, I don't agree with that. Yeah, this could this could literally infinitely we could make this a ten part episode actually. It's yeah, this is a very deep we issue. Could, yeah. Um you know, uh, because there's there's I no personally yes or don't no think anything is untouchable. I, I don't think anything is so f- effing sacred that alterations and can be made just because something was placed down 200 years ago does not make it like we absolutely cannot move that because of its historical significance. It's like there's ways it can be documented or moved or placed within the setting or, and sometimes that happens, right? So uh, things do get moved. Buildings do get torn down uh, mm-hmm. and people die. So over time, things have less significance. But I, we don't I, that, honor that doesn't mean I don't. Va- well, I know that, and we often don't. But from the perspective of someone who would look at uh, the indigenous peoples of uh, North America, they would say maybe, "Hey, we don't honor that history enough either." So, mm. once again, this is co- very contextual, and it really does yeah. really help to come at it from multiple points of view. This is not an easy yeah. answer. No, it's it's a dangerous slope, and and where do you stop? The, the you stop? most dangerous is a jerk reaction. One person yeah. comes up and says, "I'm offended by this." Now, okay, I hate that word "offended" because there's so much depth to what that can mean. But when someone says this really is offensive to me, and because English language can be limiting at times mm-hmm. if you don't know more words, that can just seem like I'm just gonna hold my head out and say this isn't good enough for me. Well, it 
it can be a lot deeper and more com- complex than that, but people can't give voice to what it means other than saying offended. But someone says, I'm offended. Mm. Take the General Lee out of this parade locally in Scarborough because that offends me because that represents a time that is, you know, of the past that I don't want seen. And you're like, well, there are other people who just see it as the Dukes of Hazard and have no idea of anything about what that flag means. So you want to say, hey, can we discuss this? And then that one person's complaint means it's gone, no discussion, it's and, and yes, in that sense, Paul, I totally support the fact that it would be great to have the General Lee coming up and something, and then a big banner or something behind it saying, you know, something about, you know, that person can come forward and say a teachable moment for the Confederate flag. And there are two sides to it. Not everything was evil, but there are, you know, hey, it's. History is complex. There, right? Are the winner, winner of, of a war versus the loser. Exactly, you nailed it. Exactly, it's complex. It's messy. Yeah, it, it's some. A lot of parts of our history are very offensive. Absolutely, right. they are. And but let's not pretend it didn't exist. Let's embrace it. Let's talk yeah. about it. Let's create those discussions and educate people as to what exactly went on. Because most people are very ignorant about history. And well, history is a very difficult subject. I mean, you can have 10 people experience the same thing in 10 various accounts that don't describe the same event. So especially when you get into very complex scenarios, like, will we ever know all the reasons why World War II happened and what happened in it? And that's, you know, you literally have millions of perspectives. So does it, do only the biggest ones have uh, validity? Or it was this little microcosm of an event that happened during it also valid? It's just, it depends how far down the rabbit hole you're willing to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, exactly. to summarize my point of view, yes, uh, tradition and history has value. It shouldn't be arbitrarily thrown out at the, uh, 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 at the response of a jerk knee, uh, knee jerk, jerk knee, knee jerk reaction, but, um, to be open to consider things that you may not have had, uh, that you've had the privilege of not having to address before. And just seeing it from, having empathy to say that, you know what? It doesn't necessarily mean to other people what it means to the the community I've been with. Anyway, there's my point. Paul, any final thoughts? Quickly? Yeah, just my final takeaways on this is that I'm concerned about is what Mike had mentioned, the, the knee-jerk reactions. How our values within our, our current day, we post those values on historical um, events and historical figures, and we expect all historical figures to, I guess, meet our expectations. I, I think there is a lot of flawed individuals within various points in history, and they have to be respected for the context in which they their own accomplishments during their time. I'm my point is that the whole sanitation sanitization of history it creates a dangerous precedent and a real slippery slope that might be hard to to turn back on once we go down that road. That that's my biggest concern. And as a student of history, my views is that we we need to preserve history and honor it and understand it 
And I just fear that we're just erasing it. Simple as that. Yeah, I hear you. And I think for me, it's, it's some of it's case by case. And some things are a little more potentially black and white than others. But I think use the two things, use it as a teachable moment if you can. And secondly, find a way to still recognize it, but also tell the, the whole story at the same time. All right, we're moving into our weird news story. And um, sorry, Mike, did you have something you really wanted to get to say? Uh, I mean, last last point. It's not too important, but uh, time heals all wounds in some way. If you, uh, when you look at an artist or a flawed, flawed person. Oh, that sounds like a topic in itself. Does time heal? I know it, it actually is. And that's why I can only address it as like a quick sentence that we may address in the future. Is the value of art, does it supersede or transcend the personality or acts of the individual artist? And so while we mentioned Weinstein, yeah. to acknowledge what he did does that mean rejecting everything he had a hand in producing right do you yes. not watch the movies he had a part in uh hp lovecraft is a horror author that i absolutely love but he's been vilified many many times for his very uh xenophobic and racist uh attitudes that are well documented but do you throw out everything that he's produced because he as a person had right uh, leanings that while they were more common in the day, were still pretty extreme as far as being uh, overtly racist. Do you throw his stuff out? I mean, or, hey, a Roman philosopher that, you know, used to murder and kill children. I don't know. And you say, well, we can't read and learn from their artwork or whatever because of who they were. That's a huge topic. Uh, I'm going to work on the proposal for that one. Yeah, let's let's maybe come back to that. All right. Well, we had a lot of t- stuff to talk about today. I think the statue thing really went in a, in a direction that I didn't expect it to. We really unpacked a lot of stuff there. So, but thanks. I think it was good. And Mike, what's your quick feelings on uh, being a, a guest on the podcast? How do you feel? Um, uh, I, I think I'm here to stay, despite what you guys may think. Uh, I, I'll find a way to <laughs> hack into the next episode and just be there whether you like me to or not because i have a lot of stuff uh my opinions that i want to force down people's throats whether they like it or not and uh yes we we need i'm sure i can tempt you all with i will reveal at least one minor Meghan markle detail per episode oh. to uh further uh mm. fill in the mosaic okay. that is the enigma of Meghan. Actually, I really, you, you, almost that sentence I said earlier was everything I know about her. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, Clark. I'd uh, happily Great. come back, or not, if uh, it's all up to you guys, I guess. And the viewers. The viewers will decide, or maybe. Paul and I, I mean. are off to talk about it. Well, yeah, okay. So, you know, if, if there is an opportunity, uh, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to come back, I'll have some ideas uh, and come with a little more preparation now that I've seen this sort of format. And I'll, I'll try and give Paul some more airtime, not talk over. Yeah, there's kind of a balance with this between preparing and sort of being spontaneous. And it just you kind of learn as you go. Yeah. And I still don't know if there's a one right way to do this, but uh, it, glad you came on. Personality, I think, more than anything. Like, I tend, you, uh, Clark, you know me as a spontaneous kind of guy. Um, 
I'm really open to a lot, but I tend to, my preparation is by the preparation of life. And then I jump into things. Uh, but you're right. Uh, being prepared certainly does. Uh, it gives you good ammunition to be spontaneous, actually. So there you go. And I think something to be said for having the third person in here as well. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for being that third person, Paul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I think we had some good debate here today. And having the having the having the third person definitely creates a, a different um, aspect of of having a, a good debate. And right. what, what we talked about with the monuments, I, I think that yeah. was uh, that was that was a good experience. Right. I, I hope our listeners agree with us. I was thinking, like, have you like with podcasts yeah. and Clark? I know that the whole idea of a podcast in general is a is a a malleable. Uh, ephemeral thing that can morph over time and uh, grow and change. But uh, as far as this one's going, it, do you, have you noticed from the beginning that it is uh, changing in direction or evolving or just as a final question as we leave? You yeah, well, obviously one of the biggest differences is that Simon is no longer in the picture. Yeah. So that's certainly a big, that's a big difference. Well, maybe, there, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe one day. Uh, he, he's always a yeah. pleasure to listen to. And I know he still exists on this earth. So, you know, yes, the, he does. No doors yeah, have been shut forever in this and... world. So uh, when the opportunity, Hey, as you know, Clark knows me for a long time in my film industry, jobs have made me sort of flaky in terms of reliability with any other kind of thing. So whenever, Clark would say, hey, do you want to be part of the baseball team or the theater group or anything? Uh, I've learned over time that any commitment usually re results in uh, continual disappointment as I cannot make um, events due to literally 80-hour, 85-hour work weeks. And uh, so the COVID is a great opportunity. I hope that at least during this, it gives me more some time to be here. Because generally speaking, I would be on set now and still not home. So, right. Yeah. Well, just to answer your question, um, the, the Simon factor definitely has caused this to evolve in a different way. I mean, we had Ed on as a, as a co-host on, I think it was episode 19. Yep. Paul's been doing now, I think this is his sixth episode yep. with me. Okay. And then bringing a guest on is a bit of a different dynamic. We've done it. We did it once before. I think it was episode 10. We had a friend of mine, Teresa, who I've been asked to bring back because she's she was pretty popular bringing a female perspective and also bringing a younger voice to the to the listeners she's like mid 30s or early 30s compared to us who are 40 and up um so yeah i mean the difference i think is just the we're trying to keep a template to a certain extent but we're also introducing new things like right. in our last episode we we had a documentary that we reviewed and we talked about our feelings about the documentary this product idea which you know may or may not be good i don't know it's fun to do i think um we've talked about how stuff works segment like taking a, a a thing that intrigues us and talking about how it works. So there's all different. I think it's still, honestly, it's, it is malleable and it's kind of an experiment. It's a constant experiment and who knows what episode 30 will look like or episode yeah. 100. It, who knows? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to uh, watch it, listen to it and uh, be a part of it as I can see how it, uh, see how it changes. That is the one constant in the universe. Everything changes. 
We do include in the show notes ways to get a hold of us as far as feedback or topic ideas. So I invite everybody, you can go to our website, wetalkedaboutthis.net, for contact information, Twitter, email. You can reach me directly at ninja at hotmail.com. That is that is actually no. That's my bogus email. Whenever I want, like, they're like, you have to enter an email here. Whoever has ninja at hotmail dot com gets so much effing junk mail generated from me alone. <laughs> they must be like, where is all this crap coming from? Well, it's because that's my default. Like, I don't want to enter a real email here. I just uh, want to get yes. past this like email wall. That's a good hack. Say, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so it's a good hack, actually. I encourage well. everyone to use ninja at hotmail.com, in fact. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that next time. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja at hotmail.com. But if you are looking to give us feedback, do not send it to ninja at hotmail.com. Or, or, do, or do send it to it and see, like, like, the message thrown into an ocean and where it may go. Who knows? Someone might answer mm. you. All right, guys. We got to go. It's late. I will uh, yeah, actually, look forward to the next episode. That's a good point, Clark. Don't send it there because that guy could then find out a way to track down who the guy is who's been wrecking his email account. Oh, I finally tracked him down. Yeah, don't send to ninja.hotmail.com.